Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 55 of Season 4 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com when Harry met Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me to finish off week 11 of this show is Bubble Eat from It's Time to Rewind. Welcome back, Bubble Eat. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I wrote that... uh... I think you wrote that when Harry met Sally is the Seinfeld of the 80s. <laughs> I, I can't believe that you've quoted what I've said. <laughs> I've never had anyone quote to me what they're, you know, quote, quote to me, me. <laughs> <laughs> so minute 55 begins with Harry continuing his compliment of Sally and ends with Marie spotting something on the side. So for the last two days, we've been stuck in... Uh, Cafe uh, Luxembourg, both Harry and Sally are having uh, boring dates with Jess and Marie. Not something that they expected. They were expecting something much better. But apparently Jess and Marie also expected something different. But none of them seem to have gotten it. So what could possibly turn this evening around for at least some of them? Who knows? Mm -hmm. So Harry attempted to uh, sort of uh, interjects something about uh, Sally, and he tells Jess that uh, Sally knows how to order things the best, and she orders it in the way that the chef didn't even know how good it could be. <laughs> and I mean, I gotta say, this is a great compliment. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great backhanded compliment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I mean, on the one hand, it sounds as if he's making fun of her, but. He, you know, we know that he has in, become endeared to this fact that this is the way that Sally orders things. You know, we, yeah, it, it's it like goes he's back trying to, to describe her insane ordering practices in the most positive way possible. Yeah, which is funny because it's it's so unlike typical, you know, dark and uh, the dark side of Harry. But it, at the same time, it makes so much sense at this point of the movie that that's what he's trying to do, because he does see her in this positive way. And yes. like, I, I feel like he's in his mind, he's being honest. <laughs> he's being very honest with that. I mean, we hear we'll hear later, like in a year from now, you know, on uh, New Year's Eve, he explains why he loves this of her. You know, so this is something that mm -hmm. that, that he really does like. And so it's 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 a a true compliment that he's giving, even if you're saying it's somewhat backhanded, because he's trying to, you know, he he wants Jess to to think it's also great. That's what it comes down to. You know, not only mm -hmm. does Harry love it, but Jess should love it too. That type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then at this point, Jess says, "I think restaurants have become too important." And then Marie says, "I agree. Restaurants are the people in the '80s. What theater was the people in the '60s?" I read that in a magazine and Jess looks at her and goes, I wrote that. Now, <laughs> first of all, this is such an amazing coincidence. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I usually don't go around quoting lines from magazines. <laughs> now you, you go around quoting lines from movies, right? Um, sometimes, but, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but rarely will I be quoting them to a person who actually has, you know, written the movie. So that that's a separate issue that, that comes down to. I mean, it it bring it brings up the uh, the idea once that you know I, I remember hearing this uh, maybe it was even on the commentary 
that Nora Ephron was once on a plane and she was ordering something and the person next to her turned to her and says, you know what? Have you ever seen When Harry Met Sally? Your order exactly like the woman in that movie. And mm-hmm. as we all know, the, the, you know, the, the character of Sally is based on Nora Ephron. So that just works yeah. really well. So it's it's an amazing coincidence that that she actually is quoting him uh, with what he's done. And, you know, Marie's response is, get out of here. You know, she's, she's really shocked mm-hmm. that this is what it is. He goes, no, no, I, I did. I wrote that. And she goes, I've never quoted anything from a magazine in my life. That's amazing. Don't you think that's amazing? You know, once again, Marie is, is uh, you know, uh, re- you know, uh, she's repeating herself. You know, when she says that, you're right, you're right, I know you're right. You know, and here she's saying, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that's amazing? You know, she's, she's can be mm-hmm. somewhat animated with the way that she's doing it. And you wrote it. And, and like, the two of them are beaming right here. You know, you have Marie beaming about the fact that she's actually able to uh, quote something to a writer's face and you know Jess is beaming because someone actually you know is quoting what he said so that yeah it, it's so much of a contrast to way that this date has gone beforehand yes. it's like it, it really just everybody lights up at this point and even even Harry and Sally you know start you get a little bit more of a smile there for a moment, even though Harry tries to to pass off, like he tries to put the focus back on Sally, you know, whatever he's like, you know, Sally works for New York mag- magazine, right. which just gets like a two second look from Jess. Right. And then he turns his attention right back to Marie. Right. I mean, Harry and Sally at this point already know that these are lost causes for themselves, you know, and they both look at this and they're just shocked mm-hmm. that, that, Jess and Marie have hit it off, you know, that type of thing. And then Jess says something really weird. He goes, I also wrote Pesto is the quiche of the, 90, of the 80s. Now, who the hell cares? You're like, where's that coming from? It's like, <laughs> that's it. how is that connected to his quote, you know, that, that, uh, um, you know, that, that restaurants are people of the 80s, what theater was to the people of the 60s. You know, where's the connection there between Pesto and quiche? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have no idea. It's... Exactly. Do Do you know what pesto is? Yeah, I, I actually. Um, that's actually my uh, daughter's current favorite uh, pasta sauce right now is pesto yeah. sauce. So, do you know what pesto is made out of usually? Um, I, I mean, I don't know exactly. I think it's uh, like oil and basil. Oh well, it's crushed garlic, uh, basil. Uh, sometimes as pine nuts, sometimes uh, salt, uh, sometimes uh, you could have some different types of cheeses in there, and it's all blended together with olive oil. So yeah, you were you're very close with, mm-hmm. the, with what you said. Um, you you know more you know more what than I would have. I mean, I would have said, <laughs> okay, it's this it's this green gunk that people put on on food, you know that type of thing. And uh, I mean, they also make red pesto with uh, tomatoes instead of basil. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Do you, do you know where do you, where do you think do you know where it originated? I mean the the obvious uh, guess would be Italy, but uh, who knows? yes, I, I meant specifically where in Italy. <laughs> uh, that I don't know. In uh, Gen- uh, Genoa. 
yeah so there's there's also there's tons of variations of, of it you know as you mentioned you can have the, the tomato version or you can have the the basil version and things like that um sometimes there are other herbs that people or herbs and spices that people put in you sometimes can have coconut in there you can have avocado parsley carrots coriander cumin uh, uh turmeric ginger uh perilla leaf don't really know what that is um and what what do you know about uh quiches um i mean i've i know that it's it's like a uh, an egg an egg based pastry it, it's almost it's like an omelet but it's more uh, it's typically served uh in dinner time it's it often has like spinach in it um I think that's a that's a common ingredient. It's it's more doughy than an omelet, and it's usually served like in a uh, ramekin. I, I believe is the term. Okay, so a quiche is a French tart that is consisting of pastry crust filled with savory custard and pieces of cheese, meat, seafood, vegetables. Um, a well-known variant is quiche Lorraine, which includes lardons or bacon. And quiche may be served hot, warm, or cold. So it's it's like a, a dish where you have a lot of different things uh, mixed together. Uh, so it, it could look like a cake, but it's you know it's it's done with uh, vegetables and meats and things like that instead. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's and there I found tons of different variations of types mm -hmm. of quiches that you can that you can make. Um, you know, it, it's again vegetables and eggs. Uh, mixed together with either cheeses or or meats or things like that. Uh, yeah, you can you can also make uh, you know vegetarian type also where you don't have any type of uh, uh, cheeses or meats in it and it still can can work. You know, um, so again he has this quote which comes out of left field and doesn't really make much sense uh, where he says I also wrote pesto is the quiche of the eighties. And Marie looks at him and goes, get over yourself. And he says, I did. And she goes, where did I read that? And he goes, New York Magazine. No. So first of all, the, the, the point I want to make here is, is, you know, he mentions he also wrote Pesto is the Quiche of the 80s. And Marie automatically remembers that she has read that also. Mm -hmm. You know, like. like but I also think it's it's interesting that her line, get over yourself. Like, if you take that out of context that seems like it's a very negative line. You know, it, it's like, oh, oh, get over yourself. Like you're, you're being egotistical. Right. You know, you're not, you're not that important. But she says it in, in such like a happy and light way yeah. that it, it feels much more complimentary. Mm -hmm. Correct. And, and that works the way that they do that. You know, it definitely mm -hmm. is, is a compliment. And also it once again shows the type of chemistry that there is between the two of them. You know, which there is no chemistry between yeah. either of them with Harry and Sally, but the two of them just automatically right. are clicking. And here they're talking about different articles that he's written that she remembers that she that she read, you know, that type of thing. So he said that that it was in uh, New York Magazine. And then Harry interjects, like you said earlier, oh, Sally writes for New York Magazine. <laughs> and they just completely ignore them and they continue their conversation. <laughs> and Marie says, you know, that piece had a real impact on me. I don't know that much about writing, but, and then Jess interrupts and goes, it spoke to you and that pleases me. So Marie says, you have to admire people who can be that articulate. 
and just says, nobody has ever quoted me back to me before. You know, the, the two of them just, mm -hmm. just really uh, jump off the, you know, jump off the page with the way that the, they're, they're connecting just by these little quotes that, that randomly came up in the story, which, which is great because that sometimes does happen to people along the way. You know, you, you will, you know, come yeah. across someone and you just immediately hit it off with them. And, you know, you're able to find common ground, which they find here. Mm -hmm. And and I love that, you know, as they continue talking, the camera switches focus to Harry and Sally and they share a yes. look together. And again, it, it's the, it's that whole wordless communication that this film does so fantastically mm -hmm. throughout the the entire runtime and just like just through the look on their faces you can see that you know they're looking at each other and without saying a word they're like you know i we can see how this date is going it's not how we intended but it is this is yeah, what happened and and we don't know yet at this point what they think about the fact that jess and marie are hitting it off you know they're, they're both disappointed mm -hmm. for the other one they're, you know, like Harry is disappointed for Sally that it didn't work out with Jess, and Sally is is disappointed that it for for Harry that it didn't work out with Murray, because that's what they wanted. They both wanted their best friend to to fall in love with uh, their other best friend, that type of thing. You know, and they mm -hmm. they both see, yeah. So that way they could be like basically a four person uh, correct group of friends, and that. You know, the, the two of them, Harry and Sally, can remain friends being Correct. with somebody else. Mm -hmm. So that way, again, that doesn't change their friendship because they don't want their friendship to Correct. change at this point. That's right. And that really works really well. And, you know, so you mentioned New York Magazine. Have, have you ever heard of New York Magazine? It's basically – I think it's the New Yorker. Isn't that what it's supposed to be? I, I mean, that that would be my guess. I, I, I've never heard of New York Magazine, right. but I, I mean, have it could heard just of the be New Yorker. that they're, you know, making a fake name based on something else. But so the, do you know the New Yorker was founded in 1925? And uh, it uh, is a magazine that is uh, now published 47 times annually. And it, it's all about uh, cultural life in New York City, which, again, makes sense that this could be the, re you know, the reason why mm -hmm. uh, Jess writes for them and why he's talking about quiche and why he's talking about theater and, and uh, restaurants and things like that. You know, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, there are mm -hmm. tons of movies that discuss The New Yorker in them, some of them fictional, some of them non-fictional. Um, but what's even more amazing is sometimes there are articles that have been made into movies based on things that were written, like small articles in The New Yorker. Hmm. So just to give a, a, a few examples, have you ever heard of uh, Flash of Genius uh, with Greg Kinnear? The name rings a bell, but I, I never saw the movie. Okay. It's the uh, the uh, the true account of of the, the the guy who first invented the intermittent uh, winter wiper. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I remember right. hearing about that movie. Right. Then you have uh, the movie Away from Her. Have you ever heard that? With uh, Julie I, Christie. Again, I've I've heard of it, but I can't place it. 
Okay, so that was also adapted from it. Um, the namesake? No. Um, which is, is about an Indian uh, family moving to America and things like that. Um, what else you have here? Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> I have heard of that first, one. First appeared in The New Yorker. Everything is Illuminated. Elijah Wood, yeah. right? That, that was there. Uh, the Hours was uh, was originally it was there. Uh, Adaptation by Charlie Kaufman, hmm. the, which is based on Susan Orlean's The Orchid Thief, which was written for The New Yorker. Uh, Angela's Ashes, uh, both Adams Family movies hmm. were inspired to work of the New Yorker's cartoonist Charles Adams. Okay, he was he was a, a cartoonist for the for the New Yorker. Um, Casualties of War with Michael J. Fox and uh, Sean Penn, which was a Vietnam movie. Um, Boys Don't Cry with uh, Hilary Swank. Mm -hmm. Iris with uh, Judy Dench. Uh, In Cold Blood, which was uh, originally written by Truman Capote uh, for The New Yorker. Uh, What else? Uh, Mr. 880... It's a movie that I saw years and years ago. I, I can't remember exactly what it's about. It's with uh, Edmund uh, Grun. Grun? I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, Edmund Gwen, who played, uh, you know, Santa Claus in uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Uh-huh. I remember seeing it, but I, I currently can't remember what it was about. <laughs> but I think it was uh, like a, it was a murder mystery it was, it was with Bert, okay, it's from 1950 with Burt Lancaster and Edmund Gwynn. It's a, ah, sorry, it's a romantic comedy about a Secret Service agent trying to catch a counterfeiter uh, with the help of a United Nations translator. So, yeah, okay, I, now I remember a little bit about that. Um, I'm assuming you've heard of The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? Yeah. Okay, that was also uh, in there. And uh, the, the final one that I want to mention here is Meet Me in St. Louis which was a short story by Sally Benson that was eventually made into a movie. So yeah, they, they have a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, out of all of those, I've, I've seen, I've heard of most of them, but I've only seen one of them. You've only, you, what, you've, you've never seen the, the Adams Family's? Or is that the one you've seen? Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Well, those, those were based on the cartoon. But yeah. other than the Adams Family's, I've, I, I only saw one of the other ones. Oh, well, okay, well, now you got what to watch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we uh, get into the script? Um, No, I don't think so. The the only thing is I'm just, like, slightly disappointed. Like, I I think these are great minutes, but my absolute favorite moment of, of this scene it takes place like I I just miss it, but whenever they both get into the cab, uh-huh. like that right. that gets the biggest laugh out of me. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that. That's understandable. Yeah, right. I mean, so basically, then the next thing we see them in the uh, you know on the street again. The four of them are walking. I like the fact that they have Harry and Sally on, as the bookends, and Marie and Jess mm-hmm. are sitting and talking together, or there's someone chatting away as they're they're walking, and then. Marie sees something on the side and like looks over to the to the left, and that's where the the minute completely ends. You know, so I, I think they did it really well there. 
And the, the script actually has a little more dialogue than the other one. So when Marie talks about the fact, uh, don't you think that's amazing? Uh, so it says everyone nods. Meaning everyone is, is enthralled by the fact that, that it is amazing. So then Jess says, I also wrote Pesto is the quiche of the 80s. And Marie goes, stop it. Really? I read that in a TWA in-flight magazine. And Jess goes, the ambassador? <laughs> and then she goes, the issue with the picture of the two people at the table in a restaurant, just like this. And Jess says, very pristine, like a hospital. <laughs> so I liked it. And then then we have some dialogue of them on when they get on outside onto the street where Harry says, that was a great meal. I'm stuffed. You want to walk a little bit? And then all three of the others respond, sure, sure. And then they start walking. It's not necessary. So, you know, uh, they they didn't need it to, to add to it. I think the, the way that it just transitions to them on the street uh, works really well. That's mm-hmm. what I think. So every Friday we have a segment called Weekend Romance, where my guests will give their top five uh, romantic comedies. So what have you got for us? Bubble Eat. Um, well, I've, I have quite a few. Um, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of romantic comedy, at least not the standard romantic comedies. I, I like the ones that are just a little bit, uh, off of center. That's where like the, it, it doesn't, follow like the typical format mm-hmm. and um i i will um i guess kind of uh make one other caveat uh, just because i don't really think of it as a romantic comedy because it's so many other things and that's the princess bride okay. uh which you know i talked about on mm-hmm. wednesday is is one of my all-time favorite movies but i don't really think of that as a romantic comedy and I, I think a lot of these other ones maybe don't aren't necessarily like primarily a romantic comedies, but they they do have a lot of romance. They do have a lot of okay. comedy That's in fair. them. Um, and uh, let's see, I've it's tough because I, I have six and I'm I'm still kind of struggling with what order to put them in. I think I will give my honorable mention to. Um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Okay. It's, you know, I, I love that. I, it's funny cause I didn't like that movie as much the first time I watched it, but I've watched it several times and the more I watch it, the more I, I love it. Um, the, but my number five, I will start with 500 days of summer. Which again, that's, that's kind of a, a left to center. I, I think there's a lot of comedy and it's it's almost more about the breaking down of a relationship, but it does have a lot of romantic elements whenever it it cuts to like the early parts of the romance when things are going well. And I just love how it's structured the the nonlinear format and how it's I feel like it, it paints like a realistic picture of, mm-hmm. of romance. Yeah. Um, my number four, I'll, I'm going to go with The Mexican, which, again, that's not kind of a, a uh, what a lot of people might think of as a, as a romantic comedy, and even though, like, the marketing practically did bill it as, like, the, a Brad Pitt's Julia Roberts romantic right. comedy, even though I look at it as more of a caper film. But I do think that the romance is really, like, the heart mm-hmm. of the story. 
and and I do think it's it's a really funny movie too, and it's one of those that that I just really love a, a lot of it, and just and like the heart, the like the question, the you know, whenever two people are truly in love but they just can't get things together, when is the point where you get to like when do you get to the point where you just say enough is enough? And like that's a question that's kind of told throughout. And then whenever she asks, she finally gets together with Brad Pitt's character and asks him, he gets the right answer and he just says, Never. <laughs> I've actually never seen that. That's interesting. I'll have to check it out one of these days. Yeah, I, I love it. It's it is kind of different and I I know I I did a podcast um episode of FilmWise with the Vern and and he wasn't too fond of it. Mm-hmm. It's it it's it's one of my favorites and I love it. Like it's you, you got to go in like it's it's more of a caper movie. It's there's a lot of like slapstick and there's some a bit of weirdness. It's not it's not the romantic comedy with Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts that the trailers might lead you to believe. <laughs> okay. Um my number three, I'll I'll go with Amelie. That's the that's just such a gorgeous movie. And it's it's so touching and heartfelt and also just really funny throughout. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just love that movie. I I've I've only seen it like it's been way too long since I've seen it, but I do own it and, and I really need to get the chance to watch it again. Uh my number two is uh Heartbreakers. Which again that's kind of a a left of center. It's almost more like a gross out comedy uh, with um you know it's uh, Jennifer yeah, Love Hewitt it, right? and and Sigourney Weaver playing con artists, but it, there is like the the love story throughout with you know both of their characters ending up, uh, you know, getting together with somebody at the end that really uh, connects with them, and also the the song that they use like for their for Jennifer Love Hewitt and Jason Lee's uh, wedding song, uh, "Oh My Love" by. Um, John Lennon, mm-hmm. like I, I love that so much that I actually use that for in my own wedding. Oh wow, very cool. Yeah, uh, and then my number one is When Harry Met Sally. I, I've I've only I've only seen this twice, but I just you know it's it's just such a beautiful movie. It's so funny, so true, so heartfelt. Uh, it it's my number one. Oh wow. Okay, great. So you want to once again tell people for the the last time this week uh, how they can get in touch with Bubbleweed? Sure, I've I've mentioned it a couple times and it's still out there even though I've not been producing new episodes. Uh, but I did a podcast called FilmWise and that's Film W H Y S, where it's uh, I've I have nearly eighty or like uh, over eighty episodes where each time I would have a guest that would introduce me to a movie that I had never seen before. I've, I covered a lot of, you know, big misses like uh, Jaws and the Godfather, uh, as well as, you know, some more cult movies like uh, Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. And then in return, I would introduce them to a movie that a superhero or comic book movie that they had never seen before. And oftentimes it it wasn't necessarily a fair trade off because there's a lot of 
uh, not there's a lot of mediocre and bad superhero and comic book movies out there, <laughs> but it's it was always a fun discussion, and those are all out there on Anchor. So if you do a search for uh, film wise, it, it you should be able to find those episodes out there. All right, great. And I just want to mention we we talked about it at the beginning of the week. So so you know I was on the the Bullfinger. Uh, minute last week and mm-hmm. next week Bubba is actually going to be on it so you know tune in there yeah. and you can uh, hear Bubba we talk about five minutes of Bowfinger uh, can't wait to hear what he has yeah, to say it, it's me and uh yeah it's me and I have as co-hosts um Roger Wister from Roadhouse Minutes and currently he's doing the Speed Movie mm-hmm. Minutes and uh Lance Stanford, who his podcast is The Night Nerd. Oh, wow. Okay, great. And uh, finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So, Bob Boy, thank you very much for, for joining me this week. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself. Hopefully our listeners also did. Yeah, it's been, been a lot of fun. Great. And I will be back on Monday with a new guest. So until then, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you. Had to be you.